Look at this. We're finishing up Romans today. And it's all about grace. And today I introduce to you Grace Samantha Campbell. <laughs> Melissa, how old is Grace? Two and a half months. Two and a half months. Hey, Grace. Welcome to the bar. <laughs> this is where we hang out and talk about Jesus. That someday you're going to grow up and know all about him. Because we want to teach you about Jesus. And Lord, I pray for grace that she will know you as her Savior and the Lord of her life. That you will protect her and watch over her. I pray for Doug and Melissa that you would just watch over them as parents to guide them, give them strength in their marriage and their relationship. And I trust you with them and with grace. I trust you with grace. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Little Grace, Doug, come get your little girl. That's awesome. It's not a better way to start uh, a lesson than that right there, especially when they don't cry. <laughs> so we're going to wrap it up today. We're going to wrap up Romans, believe it or not. Uh, and it seems like it's kind of just the, the bidding adieus and thank yous and things like that. But there's some, there's some really good stuff in here as we finish it up. But remember where we left off. We left off in the middle of chapter 15. And uh, he was talking about, his. he's on his third missionary journey. This is where we are in the whole story. We started in Acts, and we're working our way through. And Paul's literally going around establishing churches and leaving. It's not like he camps out there and stays. We've been here since 2008 at Pinheads. Uh, He's moved on, yet he still continues to write those different locations and encourage them. And so this is what he's done, and he's got into the last part of chapter 15, and he says, there's a reason I haven't got to Rome yet. Well, that's the reason. It's the third missionary trip. Here's what he says. Verse 22. That is why I've been prevented many times from coming to you. But now I no longer have any work to do in these regions. And I have strongly desired for many years to come to you whenever I travel to Spain. For I hope to see you when I pass through and to be assisted by you for my journey there. Once I have first enjoyed your company for a while. So now, let me show you on a map here real quick what we've done. For those of you down there, you can look at that one right here. But obviously, this is the whole map of the Roman Empire. Rome was like in charge at this time. And so, you can see over here in the green, this is Jerusalem. This is actually where he started his third missionary journey. And he's riding to the church in Rome over here, the boot, for those of you who can't see me. And he's saying, I'm going to go all the way over here to Spain. So flip up to the Google map so that you can see this is our modern day map that we have at Google. Again, Jerusalem, 
Greece, which we'll refer to here in a minute, Rome, and Spain. So look at his third missionary journey real quick. It didn't make it all the way to Italy. It stopped here in the Macedonian area. Up here, that's as far as he got. And he said he got to Illyricum. So just for your reference of what he's speaking about today. He plans on heading to Spain, but he's going to stop in Rome. And he's going to stay there for a while. And he says, hopefully you'll support me in my ministry, like financially. He's looking for them to raise support for him. Verse 25 says, right now I'm traveling to Jerusalem to serve the saints. Because Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Remember this whole time he's been going from church to church to church explaining that they're poor there in Jerusalem, that they're, they're starving, they're, they've got needs that need to be met. And so the churches, which is kind of interesting because who did he go to teach? He first went to the temple, the Jews, they rejected his message. And then he reached the Gentiles. So who's supporting the Jews financially? It's mainly the Gentile churches, which is interesting. So now he's collected all these funds from the different churches that he's visited, and he's getting ready to go back to Jerusalem to take the money. It says, verse 27, yes, they were pleased and indeed are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual benefits, then they are obligated to minister to them in material needs. So when I've finished this, and have safely delivered the funds to them, I will visit you on my way to Spain. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessings of Christ. In other words, Christ is going to allow me to come and hang out with you like I've talked about for some time. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, though our Lord Jesus Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ, and through the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in prayers to God on my behalf. Watch what he asked for them to pray for. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea, that my ministry to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, and that, by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed together with you. This morning, I had a little extra time as I was getting ready to come here to Pinhead, so I texted about, I don't know, about 15 men that are sitting in pulpits today. And I just said, hey, it's Resurrection Day. May you be encouraged. Know that I'm thinking about you and praying for you. And just the responses that as I got driving in, just the encouragement to know that there's literally men all over this country that are praying for this group right here this morning was an encouragement to me. And what Paul is saying here is, I'm asking you, the church in Rome, to pray for me because I'm getting ready to take this Gentile money back to the Jews. And I just want it to be an encouragement to them. I want them to be an encouragement to me, but I'm kind of afraid that they're going to reject your money. That they're that stuck in what they believe that they may reject me and what God has called me to do and to even what they've done to encourage you. 
doesn't say how it ends. He just says, will you pray for me that it is received well? Verse 33 says, may the God of peace be with all of you. Amen. And that's a simple verse that's the closing of that chapter right there. But I have to remind you that are sitting right here. He says, may the God of peace. God is a God of peace. And God resides in you. The spirit resides in you. So you already have peace within you. It's just a reminder. Chapter 16, verse 1. This is interesting. Man, there's a lot of names in here too, so bear with me. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church in Sincrea. That's a port in Corinth in Greece, which we pointed out on the map. So you should welcome her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever matter she may require your help. For indeed, she has been a benefactor of many and of me also. So now Paul gets into his longest series of greetings right here. He's already mentioned Phoebe, but he's getting ready to mention 25 more names, people that have been involved. So we have to ask the question, well, what are the 25 names if he's never been to Rome? He's never met these people. What's the deal with these 25 names? Well, most likely they're house churches. These are the leaders of the house churches. They didn't have a big alleys, alehouse, pinheads, entertainment center to host a hundred some odd people. They literally met in homes where maybe 20 to 30 people got together. And so he begins to talk about the ones that specifically have been spoken to him about because he hasn't met them, he hasn't been there, he hasn't experienced it. But obviously he's heard about them. So he wants to encourage them by mentioning their names in the letter. But Phoebe, Phoebe gets the first recognition. What's up with Phoebe? Well, he's in Corinth writing this letter to the church in Rome. Phoebe's ministry is there in Corinth. And he has asked her, will you take this letter on my behalf to the church in Rome? Phoebe's a female. Phoebe has been given the honor, the responsibility, the ministry opportunity to take this very, it's one of the most important letters to us, right? To carry this letter to Rome. A woman. Now, watch what he says about Phoebe. He says, Phoebe is a servant in this translation. What's interesting is that word servant is actually translated diaconess. What is diaconess? It's a deacon. Hmm. So Paul literally used the word Phoebe is a diaconess. That she's a deacon. Now we're we're sitting in here, you know, in church world where men rule the church. Right? That's that's like one of the things that is being argued in our, our society. It's like, well, why can't women do this? Why can't they? He sit here and said, I'm giving responsibility to Phoebe 
a diaconess. Now, if you were to use the word diaconess in Scripture, it's a Greek word, a couple times it means a couple different things. It either means an office, which he talks about in Timothy. They have the elders, and then they have the deacons. That's an office. It's, an, it's a title. But then the rest of the time that the diaconess is spoken about, it's talking about being a servant. Let me tell you, we don't have deacons in here. We don't have deacons as a title. But we have deacons in here as servants. It's like, I'm not interested in really giving anybody a, a title. We have elders, and we have elders really because um, the way that you see them, the way that I see them, but also the government insists that we have leadership here, established leadership. So we have to give our elders that are recognized as elders by you a title. But we don't have to do that for deacons because I, I can't even begin to list the amount of people that serve in here. Like, you guys know that I don't do hospitals that much. I, I don't do them now because COVID. But you guys do hospitals. You go to the hospitals. You visit people. I always said, yeah, I'll go to hospital if they're having a baby. I'll be the first one to hold the baby, uh, which I haven't been able to do for the last couple of years. Uh, and, and if I come to the hospital, uh, you're probably in trouble. <laughs> you don't want to see me in the hospital because... Uh, you're bad off. Uh, but you guys have done that. You've done that. When um, you're sick, when, you're, when you have babies, you guys take food and, and you, you do all that. You come in here and I got a crew that sets up this whole room every Sunday. They get here like 8 o'clock and they sit here and move every chair. They set up everything. Uh, I got hospitality the crew that always is like, the Apsures has only been haven't even been here a year, and they're back here every week, like making coffee and and donuts and everything else. And it's like you're, you're deacons, you're deacons, you're your servant. This is literally what he's saying. And and here's what you need to know: it's not a gender thing. It's not a gender thing. Literally, it's if you want to get in the gender thing, I'd be happy to talk to you about the gender thing. I believe that God has order. I believe that he has order. I believe that as the man of my house, that he's appointed me the leader that doesn't make me better than my wife, we're equal. But I'm the spiritual leader of our house, just like I'm the spiritual leader here. I'm the shepherd here, pastor here. It doesn't make me better than anybody here. Somebody, we were having a party Friday night and it was raining and somebody said, you have a direct connection to the Lord, why don't you? I'm like, I have the same connection you have. I got the same connection. I'm not any better. We have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living in you that lives in me. There's no difference. My degree does not even make me better than you. My position here on stage does not make me better than you. And that's what we have to figure out about the church. It's not a gender thing. It's not Jesus is the head of this church, and if he's not, you're in trouble. That's the way it should always be. And this is literally what he's saying when he's like, 
Phoebe, she's a diaconist. The other thing that he says about her is that she's a benefactor. She's a bene- she's she. Well, what do you mean she's a benefactor? Well, she was a known as a wealthy business person. She knew how to run a business. And so not only that, but she was involved in the community and she contributed to the community and she literally was looked up to. A woman. It's not about gender. It's not about male or female. He's literally saying, "Eh, you can do this. You can be a servant. She was a wealthy Christian woman who was a patroness. That was the name that he had, the actual Greek name that he gave her was she was a patroness. She was a patron in the area. She used her money and she absolutely influenced people around her. People recognized her. People knew her. They respected her. She was an important part of Paul's ministry. So now we get into the names, and bear with me. These Christian names are mentioning are probably, again, dealing with the churches there in Rome. Here we go. Don't laugh. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. You know those names, right? They're the tent makers that uh, he talks about in Ephesians. Who risk their own necks for my life. Not only do I thank them, but so do all the Gentile churches. Greet also the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend Eponidas, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. How would you like to be known as that? The first convert from the continent of Asia. Eponidas. Greet Mary, who has worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews and fellow prisoners. They, right there, we assume that they may be husband and wife, but he almost attaches them to the apostles. Like, Paul was not with Jesus, which we refer to the apostles as, But he was known as an apostle of Jesus. Barnabas sometimes is even referred as an apostle. But in some of your translations, he will mention Andronicus and Junia as being apostles. They are noteworthy in the eyes of the apostles. And they were also in Christ before me. Greet Ampletus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ. And my dear friend Stachus, greet Apollos, who's approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the house of Aristopulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those who belong to the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, who have worked hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friends Persis who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother and mine. Greet Eccentricus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermos, and the brothers and sisters who are with them. Greet Philologus and Julia, Nerus and his sister, and Olympus 
and all the saints are with them. And thank my mother for teaching me phonics. I made it. These that were listed here are men and women. No distinction. No distinction here. Paul is literally saying, you're equal. When it comes to doing ministry, you're important. Count. There are people who are Jewish. There are people who are Gentile. You're equal. There are people who are from very low social classes, slaves, and some slaves that had recently gained their freedom. And there are people who are from fairly high social classes as well. He's like, your income doesn't matter. Your job doesn't matter. It's not, it's not what it's about. In other words, these names give us a kind of window into the early Roman Christian church. That's what it was like. There was diversity in the group. There was major diversity in the group. And all were important to the spreading of the gospel. And then he says this, verse 16, Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send you greetings. Eh, the holy kisses are equivalent to a handshake, which now during the pandemic has become an elbow tap. It's basically the same thing. You'll still see other countries that will greet with a holy kiss on both sides of the cheek. He's like, just enjoy one another. Just be okay with one another. You realize in this list that not everybody had the same opinions. Not everybody had the same agendas. Not everybody thought alike. But he said, just get along. Just love one another. Just greet one another. Just enjoy one another. Just live among each other. And he says that, and he goes into this interesting little tirade here. Verse 17, he's like closing up the letter. But he says, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles contrary to the teaching that you've learned. Avoid them. That's pretty harsh. He's like, stay away from them. Because such people do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting with smooth talk and flattering words. If you're going to be divisive, if you're going to take stands, if you're going to force your opinions, Paul says, stay away from them. Man, do you think that he was thinking about 2021? No. The same junk that's going on now was going on then. The scheme of the evil one is to divide. That's the whole scheme. How, I mean, 
We divide over the stupidest things. We, we divide over politics. We divide over religion. We divide over denominations inside of faiths. We divide on how you dress. We divide on how you talk. Do you not know that that is the scheme of the evil one? Division. That he just, that's why he's just saying, just get along. Look, I've listed all these people and they're all different. They're very diverse. It's okay. But what was going on then is they didn't have this right here. You have this right here in your pocket 24-7. It's it's by your bed while you sleep. You have your Bible with you all the time. They didn't have that. So they had stories of the apostles. And sometimes I'm sure those stories got, you know, they got a little bit extravagant. Not necessarily true, but they were there as they compared stories. And they made sure that it was truth. But false teachers would come in to the homes and they'd come in with agendas. They'd come in with selfish intent to make it all about them or their ministry. And Paul's literally saying, you guys, if that's the case, stay away from them. You know what we have taught you right here. He's literally written one of the most important letters in the whole Bible right here. And he's saying... Stick with what you know. And here's the sad thing is that even though we have Bibles on our phones, it's still happening here today. We still have false teachers. We still have false claims about the Scripture. I, I, I like to refer to them as penalty flags with my my teenagers like I, I literally think if they sit there and listen to somebody else that they're going to hear something that they don't normally hear here in this room or at my house or in our conversations and they're able to throw a penalty flag that's not true hopefully you're able to do that as well. If I were to say that I have to ask for forgiveness every day, I would hope somebody go, uh-uh, penalty flag. I did that one time. I did that one time, and he forgave me because he died on the cross how many times? One time. He died one time for the forgiveness of sins. It's those things that are penalty flags that you will hear out here in today's teachings that you have to filter. You have to filter. You have to be able to throw penalty flags. The question is, can you recognize them? Are you able to filter? Are you able to see the difference? This is literally what Paul's saying. In verse 19 he says, the report of your obedience has reached everyone. Therefore, I rejoice over you. 
But I want you to be wise about what is good and yet innocent about what is evil. Oh, that's my prayer for you guys. Be wise about what is good and be innocent about what is evil. You know what that literally says? Walk by the Spirit, not by your flesh. I want that for you. I want that for me. I want that for my kids. Focus on what is good, not what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You know, that verse right there can be divisive. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Paul believed, he literally believed, that Jesus was going to return in any day. Right? right? He believed that Jesus was coming back because Jesus said he was coming back soon. And he lived his life and his ministry according to that. Jesus is coming back, you've got to know him, you've got to know him, you've got to get saved. Now, some people in this room will take the preterist point of view, and they believe when... It, Paul says soon. It means like soon, like in 70 AD, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Some in this room are futurists, and they believe that Jesus has yet to come, that he's still to come. There's division in the room. It's not the main thing. It's not the main thing. The main thing's Jesus. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my fellow countrymen, greet you. So he literally sent these three men with Phoebe along with the letter. I, I want you to welcome them as well. And then he says, I, Tertius... Who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Whoa, 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 wait, what? I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. I thought Paul wrote this letter. If you go back to the first, it says, Paul, servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, wrote this letter. Yes, Tertius was Paul's scribe. If you go back and you look at Paul's other letters, he like says, I even signed this myself. You have to understand in those days that the they wrote on papyrus, which was like a, a rare form of paper, and it was quite expensive. So Paul would literally have these scribes that would write real small so they could get all this information onto the papyrus. And Tur Tertius was the scribe for Paul because, you know, when Paul signs it, he signs it real big and sloppy. So this... He didn't really write the letter, but he wrote the letter. Verse 23, it says, Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. He's finished with his greetings, and then he comes to the end of Romans, and he closes with the doxology. You know how churches would sing a doxology? basically means this is the end, and we're going to praise God. It says, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and proclamation about Jesus Christ. Paul's gospel was this. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Go back, read all of Romans, and it's all about the good news of Jesus Christ.
Jesus Christ came to die for the sinner, that would be you. His blood was poured out. Forgiveness was given to you. All your sins were forgiven. All your sins were forgiven. Past, present, and future before you were even born. How's that so? Because the moment that you believed in Jesus as the Son of God, you are in Christ. The moment you believed, you're in Christ. Paul also says in Galatians, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. And so now, you're in Christ. All your sins have been forgiven. Jesus was buried. Rose again. I say this every week. Rose again. Sits at the right hand of the Father. And He sent a Spirit to live inside of you. This is the good news. Paul's saying, this is, this is my gospel. This is all, what I got. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. This is what He has done for us. According to the revelation of the mystery kept silent for long ages, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic scriptures. He's literally said, I've gone back, looked at the Old Testament prophecies, and I've tied them in with my letter right here so that you can see all the things that the Jews once believed is now being fulfilled in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He is the one that fulfills this mystery. According to the command of the eternal God, to advance the, to advance the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles. Once again, Paul's confirming and affirming his ministry to the Gentiles. Yes, he comes to the Jews first, but God has called him to the Gentiles. Thank goodness, right? That's you, the Gentiles. So this letter he's writing... It applies to us, the Gentiles. And he says, to the obedience of faith. What is the obedience of faith? Obedience basically means to hear. That I can hear the Spirit talking to me. And I choose to do the things of the Spirit rather than of my flesh. He says, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, to Him be the glory forever. Amen. To him be the glory forever. Amen. One of the guys that I texted this morning sent me a passage from Colossians. See how fast I can pull this up. Colossians 1, 27, 29. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches, are the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is what he was teaching this morning in Texas. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And he followed it up and said, how are you? He sends me that passage of scripture and he says, how are you? Well, what would you expect me to say? 
Based upon that specific scripture reference, I'm doing great. The glory of God resides in me and it can't get any better. The glory of God resides in me. Do you see it? Do you see the glory of God inside of me? Lord, please let them see it. This is the mystery of Romans that Paul has written to the church and said, believe, believe that you are forgiven, that you are holy, that you are redeemed, that you are a child of God. It's all true. Just believe it and trust it. Lord, I pray that your word comes alive in this very room. That it's not about my teaching, it's not about me, but it's about your word, your spirit, speaking to each individual in this room. That they come to know, and they walk out that door knowing the glory, the same glory that was in the burning bush that Moses saw, the same glory that was in the temple, resides in us. The same glory. Lord, we have much to be thankful for. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.